the level of understanding or revelation understanding we have about God's character, right, will determine or will affect our relationship with Him. Now, if you don't really know a person, if you cannot predict them, if you cannot say for, uh, if you cannot uh, emphatically uh, state what they can do or what they cannot do, you can't have a good relationship with them because they, are, they seem to be unpredictable. So many people see God to be unpredictable. They cannot say for certain this is what God will do and what, can, what God will not do. So when the enemy brings trouble, problems into their lives, because they don't understand the character of God, sometimes they, they take God to be responsible for those situations. And if you look at the Christendom at large, you see that there's a lot of confusion about who God is. And this confusion, this lack of clarity about the person and the character of God has given opportunities to wicked people, to uh, wolves in sheep clothing, to liars, to manipulators, to deceive many Christians. Amen. So it is important that we understand who God is, what he can do, what he cannot do. Someone may say, is there something that God cannot do? Definitely, God cannot lie. And God will never do evil. I repeat, God cannot lie and God will never I repeat, God will never, never, never do evil to anybody. Now, if you as a parent, right, will not inflict harm or do evil to your child, never expect or think God will do less than you will do. What I mean is this. If you have a standard of care for your child, right, and you believe you have a duty of care, you're responsible to look after your child. Now, don't expect God the Almighty to perform lower in care, in affection, in love than you. Now, when people say God does evil or God inflicts evil on them to teach them a lesson or to make something out of it, they are simply saying God's standard of love and care is below the human, it is below human. But we knew, we, we know from the Bible, John 3, 16, like let me share with us this morning, that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Now, God is in the, is in the business of restoring the fallen man, the fallen woman, the fallen mankind back to himself to have a perfect, harmonious relationship with him. God is in the business of caring, loving, protecting, shielding, providing, caring for his people. God cares about us passionately, affectionately. And the, the other side of the good news is this. Now, the love of God for you and I is unconditional. The Bible tells us in the book of Romans chapter 5, from verse 8, he says that while you and I were still sinners, we're not worthy of God. We don't deserve anything good from the Lord because we carry the sinful nature, the nature of the devil. While we're just sinners, Christ died for us. No, God showed us that now his kindness and goodness towards us is not conditional to our is not conditional upon our actions, our behavior. It has nothing to do with us. God said, see, this is me. I am love. First John 4 8. I am love. My nature is love. So I love you regardless of what you do or what you don't do. Friends, let me ask you a question. If you look at your next door neighbor, you may be an unsaved person. 
Many of your unsaved or of your unsaved neighbors, I believe things are working fine for them in areas where you are believing God for things to be working fine for you. I believe so. So are you now saying that God loves the unsaved more than he loves you? That picture is not correct. But one thing you should also pay careful attention to is the fact that if God could love the unsaved person, how much more you, his child? I repeat, if God could love the unsaved person, how much more you, his child? Now, many Christians, and I've met a number of them, don't expect God to be kind towards the unsaved person. So when the unsaved seems to be prospering in their farm, in their business, many believers are angry and they are asking, what kind of God is this? Now, from the things that, from just my intro, can you deduce or can you, can you, you know, can you see for yourself or hear for yourself that there's confusion in the body of Christ as to who the, I mean, when I say the body of Christ, I mean, people would think like that as to the character and the nature of God. Because the things we are saying about the character of God, they are not adding up. They are not making any sense. They are not speaking of a God whose head is correct. Amen. Hence, many people don't want to have anything to do with God because they can see confusion among believers. So if you're in church this morning, you are so blessed to be in church this morning. Or if you're watching this video or hearing this um, by audio, you are so blessed to be hearing this. The things I've said in the, in the past few minutes, I want you to play them over again and think on them. Because, you know, I, if I was going to teach on this topic, I'm probably going to teach it for in six months. But I won't go too far on this. But I'll give you something to start you on that journey of going to discover God for yourself. Amen. So in, in today's teaching, I want to explore that thinking, that general thinking that God, that Jesus is nicer than God. So the question is, is Jesus nicer than God? Now you may say, no, 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 no. Let's, let's ask ourselves. I try to make this interactive. I wish I could see people's hands come up, right? So now be very honest. Let's be very, very honest with ourselves. By the show of raising your hand, be very honest. God is watching you. Do you think or believe God is watching you that Jesus is nicer than God? Raise your hand. I can want to see those hands. I'm sure, I'm sure you guys see. You guys who don't raise up, raise your hand. It means that you've been soundly taught by me, and some of you may want to like. I don't want pastor to think. I still think this way. Amen. But do you want to hear the truth? Many people believe that Jesus is nicer than God. And the interesting thing is that many people don't even know that that's how they see God and Jesus. But, but to prove to you that in our subconscious mind, many of us think Jesus is nicer than God, is how we, how we would not expect Jesus to do us harm, but expect God to punish us with sickness and disease to teach us a lesson. Acts 10.38 says, say how God, Peter speaking, how God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil because God was with him. That scripture I just quoted, I'll just jump ahead of myself. I'm going to do justice um, to you. Just stick with me. I'm trying to flow with the Holy Ghost, not by my note. So, if the Bible tells us 
that God, the Father, anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Who anointed Jesus? God. With what? With the Holy Ghost and with power. To do what? To do good. And how did Jesus do good? He went about healing all who were oppressed by who? The devil. Because of what? God is with him. Because God was with him. God, the Father, who many of us think is temperamental, unpredictable, anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth. So Jesus, the guy that you saw to be nice and kind, to be, hum to be humble, to be loving, to be tolerant, to be, you know, he's just, no, he's just, he's just a very lovely person. The ability with which he did all the miracles he did was endowed him by God the Father. Have you not read in the book of John chapter 10 verse 30? Jesus said, Myself and my Father, we are one. Myself and my Father, we are one. So, if you think God will do to you or can do to you in terms of negative, in a negative sense, if you think God can do to you what Jesus will not do to you, then you believe that Jesus is nicer than God in your subconscious mind. Don't forget that transformation. What are we trying to do? What, what are we called to do to raise uh, leaders, world changers? Do you know who leaders are? They think. In today's world, thinking is very difficult, so people don't do it. Many people don't do it. Many people will, will gladly eat what the pastor says, gullibly eat and take and accept what the pastor says. And not think for themselves because thinking is kind of difficult. And to a very much extent, the media, the government, a lot of people are happy to do your thinking for you. But any believer that will last in these end times, that, will, that would experience effective and dynamic relationship with the Father, progressive relationship with the Father, such people must be ready and willing to go discover God for themselves. Amen. I feel so excited this morning. So, is Jesus nicer than God? Father, I thank you in the name of the Lord Jesus that no member of my church actually raised their hand when I asked that question. It's an indication that the Lord is helping me to do some good job. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So, what I want to do in the next half an hour thereabout is to um, reconcile this assume this connect between the character of God and the character of Jesus. The character of this loving Jesus and the character of the unpredictable God. Watch this. Uh, Tenny, I, I did mention earlier on that um, I'm starting drama, right? Um, Shanice, I mentioned that to you, right? right? So, uh, watch this. Um, this is part of my rehearsal, guys. Bear with me. <clears throat> God is a consuming fire. If you mess with God, He will consume you like fire freedom from heaven. As God called down fire through Elijah, God can call down fire on you. You know, people say things like, if I be a man of God, let fire fall. That is nonsense. Those are not in any way, shape, or form representative of the character of God. So the kind of God that many people preach today and those preachers that say things like, God. You know, when they want to call God is when they say, God. Or God. If the way many preacher, many God preacher sees God, <laughs> if that's the way many is, if that is who God really is, I I don't want to have anything to do with that God. See, I thank God for the revelation level of revelation He's given me about Himself. I said at a point one time when people were trying to uh, pressure me to 
do an arranged marriage in order to get papers in the UK, what I said to each and every one of them is this. I said, if God is not able to look after me in the UK, he's an irresponsible father. And I could feel the vibration in the room. People felt very uncomfortable. I said, but what I know is this. My father is, res- is responsible, so I'm going to follow his leading. I'm not going to do any kind of arranged marriage for the sake of to get papers. No, God said to me, Tony, I sent you to this country. He said, don't allow the devil to trick you out of this country because this is where I want to use you. I didn't want to stay here. I see opportunities, a lot of opportunities in Nigeria for me to make money and do stuff. But God says he wants to use me here. And two, on two occasions, I've tried to leave the country because I was just tired of all of these restrictions and limitations and things like that in this country. So if God says to me, I want to use you in this country, so why should I try to use human demonic ways to get what God says is in my hand to give you? Do you know why a lot of people are in deep problems today? Many people are in some deep problems today because they try to help God with human ways, ungodly ways, ungodly means. So each time you try to use crooked ways to accomplish or to achieve or to receive what God has promised you in the word of God, you open up yourself to the devil and you prolong it or you distort or you destroy it. So the problem is not God reluctant to give you. The problem is you have given, you, you, you switched the source of what you believe God wants to give you. You switched it from God to the devil. The devil has a three-dimension ministry to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So most of the time, when we use carnal, wicked, ungodly means to get the things that we know that God wants to give us or God has given us, we open up ourselves to the enemy to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And if anyone has made such a mistake, there's no condemnation to you. What I'm trying to say to you is this. You can make a U-turn or bear this in mind that... How long it's taken for you to see the manifestation of God's blessing has nothing to do with God, but unconsciously, no offense, no, no condemnation, no pointing of fingers is due to your own actions. So receiving from God has a lot to do with our actions. Receiving from God ha- has a lot more to do with the horse and very much less with God. The Bible tells us that God is very generous and he will not withhold anything good from us. Amen. So if we are believing God for something and we're trying to use ungodly, wicked means to get it, carnal means to get it, right? We delay our blessings. Amen. So some people's blessings, um, the manifestation of some people's blessing today has been hugely delayed because they try to use ungodly and wicked means to get it. I was saying to my sister a few weeks ago, I said, I don't have any problem with immigration. I don't have any problem with police. I don't have any woman watching me somewhere. I don't have any woman I'm talking to somewhere to not, not to blow my cover. I don't have any skeleton in my cupboard, anything. I have nothing that someone could try to say they want to dig up on me a debt. I don't have it and I will not have it. You know why? Because I choose to follow the path of righteousness. I don't want to keep looking over my shoulder who is watching me. So I, I, I make it a responsibility to walk in the light as God is in the light because that's where, that's where protection is guaranteed. Praise the Lord. So 
Uh, God is not responsible for the evil happening in people's lives. That's what I'm trying to say. Next week, we're going to look into the story of Job. As someone has requested last week that they would like to hear about the story of Job. Uh, and when we go through that, you will see a lot of things that does not make sense in that book of Job. Praise the Lord. Amen. So let's, let me quickly call a few things out from my notes to, to get us to move quicker this morning. Now, the God of the Old Testament, Testament seems to be an angry God who goes about handing out laws and punishment while the New Testament God hands out love, mercy, and kindness. When I say New Testament God here, this is when people then attribute God to Jesus, that Jesus is the Son of God. So in the New Testament, God is merciful and kind. But in the Old Testament, God was angry and bitter. <laughs> so people sometimes are not able to tell which part of God is operating because they think God has two sides. Ah, hallelujah. They think God has two sides. So when they see calamities and problems in their lives, they say, you know, it might be the God of the whole Testament. The vengeful, the angry, and the wrathful God. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father. Now, there's something in my spirit that I was going to share in future, but I feel that the Holy Spirit is asking me to share it right now. You know that word, wrath, in the New Testament, where the Bible says the wrath of God? Um, you can read that in the first book of uh, Romans chapter 1. That word, wrath, in the New Testament denotes abandonment. It means that God abandoned people to do whatever they want to do. It's no longer resisting them. I mean, like holding them back, cautioning them. Restra Thank you, restraining. It's no, it's no longer restraining it. You know what? Let's go into that Bible verse. Romans chapter 1. Let's start from verse 18. Now, the Bible reads here, Romans 1, 18. It said, The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the goodness, also all the godlessness and the wickedness of people. Amen. The wrath of God is being revealed. <laughs> so, the wrath of God is actually is a manifestation. That's what it means. So the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people. And if you look at it properly, the Bible did not say that the wrath of God is revealed against people, but against wickedness, the godlessness, the wickedness of people. So God hates sin, not people. I repeat, God hates sin, not people. People think God hates them because they sinned. No, God does not hate you because you sin. He hates what you do. And the reason why he hates what you do is because of the damage that thing does to you. Amen. So the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people. Watch this. Who suppress the truth by their wickedness? Since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world... God's invisible qualities, his, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him. Now, this is leading us into why the wrath of God, right? And we're going to get into the verse that, talks about, that, that describes what that wrath is now. Verse 21 again. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them over in their sinful desires of their heart to sexual impurity 
for the degrading of their bodies with one another. And it goes on and on. So that wrath of God being revealed in verse 18 is what has been described in verse 24. When God gave them over, he abandoned them to destruction of their bodies. And it goes on there telling us homosexuality, all those kind of things, you know, even though they are and many people think that's how they are born and stuff like that. There's a lot that goes into it, which I cannot, uh, I, I cannot talk, talk about because I will have to spend about 45 minutes to explain it. Because when, when, we, when we talk about homosexuality there, you know, uh, there, there's, there are some that has demonic, uh, demonic influence in it, right? Uh, something broken someone and or someone, someone gave themselves to something or they practice something or they hanged around certain people and those desires was implanted in their heart. You know, there's so many things that lead people into homosexuality and things like that. That's why, <clears throat> that's why someone like me, I, I don't subscribe to exorcism when it comes to homosexuality and things like that. When people say, you know what, they want to gay convert. Can I be honest with you? There's no such thing as a gay convert. Or you want to convert or gay conversion. It doesn't exist. <laughs> because you're not gay in the first place. <laughs> Thank you, Holy Spirit. There's no such thing as gay conversion. If you're a man, if God created you a man, and you have desires... For same sex. What we need to deal with is the desire. We are not converting you. Because your identity, your biological identity and your DNA does not change in the first place. So there's no such thing as conversion. I can do this for 60 minutes and I will joyfully handle it. But let me, that's not where I'm going. So, so we're talking about the wrath of God. But if anyone is struggling and they want to have a conversation about that, you know, uh, this is not laying hands on anyone, exorcism kind of, no, conversion. I don't believe in all those conversion, exorcism. I don't believe in all those things. Right? So what I believe in. Right is, is killing that desire. Amen. Killing that desire because that desire is not from God. Amen. People have desires for all manner of stuff. Murder, adultery, jealousy, envy. And these things are external. They come from outside. They are, they are, they are a result of the falling world and the powers of demons operating in the world we live in today. Desires can be killed. Desires can be developed. I've met people who were never homosexual. But we were hanging out with Omicisha for so long and something happened between them and they started having attraction towards people of the other sex. So it wasn't good. It wasn't the way they were born. And I've dealt with a lot of people. I've done quite a number of people in this area that nobody can confuse me about this. And I can see it in the word of God as well. Amen. So, but in this instance here, wait, because I know a number of you guys will read it further down. But in this instance here, the Bible is saying to us that you know, one of one of the exp- one of the manifestation of the wrath of God is when God stops restraining people and they just keep going deep and deep and deep and deep down into sin, into evil. And I was I, I was dealing with some cases at some point, and I could see how men were going deep and deep and deeper and deeper and deeper in sin. It gets to a point that God stops restraining them, but from the very onset, God is restraining them, but they would not yield to the Lord. Praise the Lord. So when we keep giving ourselves to sin, what the wrath of God is, is when he stops restraining you. Is that when God is asking you to come to TTC and you say, you know, um, no, I'm not, no, I'm not ready. No, they are doing home church now. Oh, no, it's online church now. And Lord is asking you, the message is it blessing you. Do you know how your own church, your former church started? And God is speaking to people or Bible school. Many things that God speaks to you. I don't know why I picked up TTC. Uh, it gets to a point, it doesn't restrain you anymore. So one of the things I got against in my life, strongly against in my life, 
is not hearing God, is, is losing that restraint from the Lord. So when you give yourself continually to sin or to rebellion or to disobedience to God, it gets to a point that you will no longer, you will no longer feel that restraint anymore. You just find yourself going in the direction you're not supposed to go. So we all got to be very careful. Amen. Whatever God is saying to you, please act on it as quickly as possible. Um, following the timeline and the pace it wants you to act on it. Praise the Lord. All that I've just said about the wrath of God was not in my note. I felt the Holy Spirit strongly wanted me to talk about it. And I've done what the Lord wants me to do. Praise the Lord. So let's carry on. So the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament. So some people think God of the Old Testament is an angry God. The God of the New Testament is a nice and kind God. And God has two sides. You know, there's a hungry side of God. And there's a good side of God. You don't want to fall on the angry side of God. That's a lie. God has one nature. And only one side. God does not live by double standard. God does not live a double life. He is kind, he is good, he is light, he is righteous, he is holy, he is love. Amen. Praise the Lord. I also want to uh, state that what is written in the Old Testament about God is not the fullest picture of what he is like. Many churches today still describe and talk about God from the Old Testament. So one thing you should be in mind is this. The people of the Old Testament were, I mean, were under the dispensation of the fallen nature of man. There was no redemption. There was no Jesus. They were, they were spiritually dead people. The reason why God set prophets among them is so that he could have a communication channel to reach the people because the people were spiritually dead. And it's sad that today in this dispensation, Prophets in the New Testament are trying to occupy the position of the prophet of the Old Testament to relate with believers. It is wrong. The Old Testament prophet, they were appointed by God to, as a channel to speak, to communicate with people who were spiritually dead. So they will use all manner of communication patterns, stories to describe to the people because they cannot grasp spiritual things. The New Testament prophet is not, made, is not called to be a communication channel between us and God. No. Because in Christ Jesus, you now have direct access to the Father. So in the New Testament, you don't need a prophet over your life as a communication channel between you and God. In Christ Jesus, you have been united with the Father. You have received the life of God. You have received the nature of God, the nature of Christ. You have the Spirit of God living on the inside of you. I'm not saying you don't need guidance, spiritual guidance. Always go back to Ephesians chapter 4 from verse 11 to 14 to understand what the role of the New Testament prophet is. So the role of the Old Testament prophet is very different from the role of the New Testament prophet. I guess I mean the role of the Old Testament prophet is always different, is different from the role of the New Testament prophet. So anyone who thinks they are called to be a prophet, they should give themselves to, to study and understanding how prophets in the New Testament are called to operate. Ephesians 4, 11 to 14, thereabout. One more thing I think I should call out. Now, if you want to if you want to interpret the Old Testament, right? We should, we should interpret the Old Testament through the lens of the New Testament. The reason is this. God sent Jesus to show us who he truly is. Amen. So to get a full picture of the God of the Old Testament, or to, to, sorry, not the, of the, sorry, I'll, I'll take that back. So to get a full picture of God, 
to have a correct interpretation of the events that happened in the Old Testament, we need to come from the New Testament. So a sound Christian does not interpret or describe God based on what spiritually dead people were saying about God. And it may sound offensive to say someone like Jacob was spiritually dead. Yes, it was. He he did not have the Spirit of God on the inside of him. And that's why one of his wives said was pregnant. I can't remember the name. Was it Rachel Rachel and Leah, right? So Leah had children first before Rachel. And Jacob said to Rachel at some point, said, Am I God who made you barren? If you were a parent and had the power to make your child conceive, would you hinder, would, would you make your child barren for any reason? If you were a parent and had the power to make your child conceive, would you make him or you make her barren? So if you as a human parent would never do such thing that you may deem wickedness to a child, to, to your child. So why do you think God would do that to your to, to you? You know how this thing going around that, you know what? God, when we hear their prayer, God has not answered their prayer. They haven't believed in God. God, have mercy on them. All those things are nonsense. They are clear indication that people do not know the character of God. I repeat, and this is going to offend me, a number of people. If you are still praying for a person, and you are, I don't want to go into details of that, and you are pouring water into wine, and you are burning candles, begging God, to be merciful and give somebody a fruit of a womb. You don't know God. And that prayer you are praying is ungodly, unscriptural. Watch out for my, one of my social media um, videos or the way I'm going to really trash this thing. Amen. So Jacob said, Am I God who made you buried? Jacob did not have any spiritual sense. No. Spiritually, his head was not correct. Because he did not have the Spirit of God on the inside of him. Go and read 1 Corinthians chapter 2. The Bible says, um, is it, is it, no, 1 Corinthians 2? Yeah. He said, The man who does not have the Spirit of God cannot understand spiritual things because they are spiritually designed. Ah, Neither can he know them. He can't know them because he doesn't have the Spirit of God. So a natural man cannot know this thing. A natural man cannot know God. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm sitting in paragraph one of my note. Oh, Jesus, we have just five minutes to go. (laughs) Praise the Lord. So if you want to really know who God is, don't start from the Old Testament. Start from the New Testament. People ask me, Pastor, where should I start from? Where should I start my Bible reading from? I ask them, I tell them, start from the book of John. Hallelujah. Because in the book of John, you will see the relationship, you, you will see the relationship between Jesus and God. And Jesus also brought you into that relationship, saying things like, Lord, help them to know that just as the way you have loved me, you have also loved him. The book of John is like the love book that helps you to see the relationship between the Father and, the, and, and Jesus and see how you are in that equation, in that connection, that relationship. Praise the Lord. So now, since talking about this Old Testament and New Testament, I just want to give you a few examples. Let's go to Matthew chapter 19, verse 3. Just to show you some stuff that in the Old Testament, people did not, mm, they didn't understand God. Matthew 19, verse 3. Watch this. NIV. Some Pharisees came to him to test him, talking about Jesus here. They asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? Haven't you, haven't you read? He replied, that, this is Jesus replying. 
he replied, at, that at the beginning, the creator made them male and female and said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Why then, they asked, did Moses command that a man give his wife a certificate of divorce? Please read carefully along with me. Let's take verse 7 again. Why then, they asked, did Moses command that a man give his wife a certificate of divorce and send her away? Jesus replied, Moses. Somebody say Moses. Moses. Say Moses. Moses. Say Moses. Jesus replied, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your heart were hard. But it was not this way from the beginning. I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality and marries another, another woman, commits adultery. Who did the Bible say here that permits divorce? Moses. Now, this is one of the laws in the Old Testament where some men are, give, are given the permission to, di to divorce their wives. Did you not read in the book of uh, Malachi that God hates divorce? Can you not see that? It seems like many parts of the Bible, they don't seem to match up. They don't seem to, I mean, they, 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 don't, they, they're not, they don't sink. They don't, they don't add up. <laughs> this is where we know true Bible student. Because in the Old Testament, where, Paul, where, um, where these guys, Pharisees, were, were quoting from, Right. The reason why Moses permitted divorce was because it was to protect the woman. Right. It was to protect the woman. It, it wasn't for the sake of the man. Because the men in that point in time, they were very adulterous. Right. And there's, men, there's more that goes into that. So, but Jesus says, no, from the very, very beginning, no, no. God, God ordained, God designed that man and his wife. So, in, so there are many things in the Old Testament that you read that it was not God speaking. It was Moses who initiated it, it to protect people. So if you are not a good Bible student who is able to differentiate between what Moses thought he should do or he should put in place and what God really said, you will be confused. But if you come from the New Testament and read this, you know that there's no reason for you to divorce your wife for any reason. Now, even the Jesus' communication here was at their level. Because if you take it further into the New Testament, because, okay, not Jesus, I'm opening up a lot of questions here. Now, because the New Testament covenant, the new covenant did not start from Matthew. The new covenant, start, the covenant started from when Jesus died on the cross to pay for your sin and it was raised from the dead. That's where the new covenant came. Because the new covenant is this. That in Christ Jesus, you have access to the Father with no any effort required on your side other than to believe. The old covenant, they, were, they had to do things in order to keep them safe until Jesus come. So it was doing something in order to just... To help them to just continue, just let the patch them to to help them see the need for God. So even the Old Testament, the people, the, the law that were given to people was not the end goal; it was means to an end. It was to show them that they needed God, and there's more that goes into that. So if you really, really want to know God, you got to start from where the New Testament. You got to start with Jesus. So God sent Jesus in the Gospels 
to help you know who he is. So if you want to know God, where do you go to? You start from the Gospels, the New Testament Bible, not from the Old Testament. Because if you start from the Old Testament, you will hear say things like, in the book of Exodus chapter 3, I believe, so when Moses left and um, God met him and the Lord wanted to kill him, so God sent Moses to go and deliver the children of Israel from Pharaoh and then God met him and wanted to kill him. You see all manner of things that people who were not spiritually minded wouldn't know how the Spirit of God said about God. You see why I said I can do this for six months? Praise the Lord. We're out of time. So that's one example. Praise the Lord. So another example that I was going to give us is uh, in the book of John chapter 5. When Jesus told people, no, Jesus, Jesus healed a man that, that had been invalid for 38 years. He said, rise up, carry your mat. First, uh, John chapter 5, verse 8 to 11. He said, rise up, carry your mat. On Sabbath day. Do you know what Sabbath day was like in the Old Testament? Do you remember that if people actually, if people broke the Sabbath, some people were stoned to death. And Jesus, do you know that it was a sin to carry your mat on the Sabbath day? And Jesus came and said, carry your mat. Ah. Then we should be asking ourselves, which laws in the Old Testament were given by God and which one were initiated by Moses? And for who were those laws initiated for? Can you say that now, if you want to be a sound Christian, you can there's, there's a lot to it. You sit down, you commit yourself to it. Christianity is a journey and you want... You, you see that you, you can't really understand God from just the surface. You can't go to churches where you are taught, the Lord is good all the time. Oh, come on. Hallelujah. The God is going to buy you a Ferrari for your truck. No. You'll be confused. Because by the time that hype and that excitement dies in that church building, auditorium, that's the end. But there's more to God than the excitement you get in church. So, that's just two of the many examples of how God's laws was painted in the Old Testament and what Jesus came to say, what Jesus said about them. Amen. So next we will go into more details as to how Jesus started, started showing us who God truly is. Amen. Praise the Lord. Uh, let's bow our heads for prayers. Father, we thank you for this morning in the name of the Lord Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for the message you've shared with us from your heart, you know, preparing our heart to receive, to understand who you truly are. And Lord, in the name of the Lord Jesus, we pray, Lord, as we meditate on these things during the week, that our eyes and understanding are very, are much more enlightened. And our hearts will be stirred up to go into your word to see, to hear who you are, to see who you are. Lord, I pray that as we go on this journey, that you quicken our heart. You know, to be able to see that Jesus is not nicer than you, than you and Jesus are one. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Lord, we pray that at the end of this series, that our hearts will be strengthened and so established in you that we know for sure that you are, that you are love in the name of Jesus and will not be deceived or manipulated by evil and dis destructive men that heavily surround us. Thank you, Holy Spirit. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.